0: But uh, you know, it's been a great week of a miracle again as we gathered together for that anniversary dinner, and and we spent uh, about three hours together reflecting on the last year and all that God has done. And sometimes you forget, but when you see images of of what's happened and you see how God has worked uh, through you, through us as a church, to do more than we could really conceive of happening in the in the short course of time that we were on, and I I ventured over to the old storage container this past week because I needed to grab some banners and stuff for our plant uh, up in uh, Big Bear, and I walked into that container and just brought back a million memories. I remember in July when it was like 120, and we had guys stuffed in the back of that passing chairs back and forth, and we didn't know if anybody would make it out alive. And, uh, and then I remember one day we got, somehow we just kept getting more stuff and more stuff and people would bang, bring stuff and buy stuff and, and all of a sudden we were there and we were literally pushing the door. And one of the guys that was the maintenance guy there at the school where we, where we met, he came by, he started laughing and I go, what? He goes, you guys need to be on Hoarders, you need to be on that television show Hoarders. And I, and I just thought how funny and how fast we've come to this place that we're at now where God has blessed us. Not just with what we do here in three theaters, but also what he's blessed in Abu Dhabi, what he's blessed in Big Bear. And then our live stream audience is, uh, is in the hundreds now, people watching. And that's just hundreds of units, so we don't know how many people are sitting behind a TV or a screen. We know some of them, there could be as many as 8, 10, 25 people sitting at some of those screens according to reports we get. So we could very well this year be into the thousands that are joining us live uh, every single Sunday Uh, for this message that goes from top to bottom. They see the whole thing, all of our good and our bad and our mistakes and our trips and everything else. They're a part of our family as well, and we just want to say we love you guys and thank you for joining us. It reminds me of something I've heard around this place a bit. It goes like this. You can be in the middle of a miracle and not know it. What a great miracle when we showed up at the dinner this week, and there was this giant ice ice, ice carving of a cross, and it said, Influence Church, you can be in the middle of a miracle and not know it. Isn't that great? And you know, the thing I love about Influence Church is people are always surprising you, and you never know what's going to be around the corner and how God is going to work. But here's the other thing that really hit me this week is this truth. It is that humility is really grown in the wilderness. There's something about difficulty that's good for us, isn't there? There's something about reminding us who we are as people, that none of us really have anything apart from God. Our very breath, our gifts, our talents, everything comes from God. And I think one of the things we're going to see as we study this passage today is that God likes to bring us through the wilderness. God wants us to be uh, have a wilderness faith, a faith that can persevere regardless what happens in your life. Whether you face great difficulty or you face... Face great reward. We want to be reminded that we must walk humbly before our God and everything goes back to God and nothing is and of ourselves. Also that no journey is complete without a God encounter. You know none of us really can live our life without encountering God and, and just growing in our awareness of God. And I just want to encourage you, every step on this journey, have that God encounter as a part of what you are. Just stop and say God, I need an encounter with you. I need to feel your presence. I need to feel your power. I need to walk in truthfulness in all that I do. Well, let me take you to the passage today, and it's in Exodus chapter 34, beginning in verse 27. Just so happens, this is the 40th message in the book of Exodus we're in, and we're going to talk about the 40 days of fasting that Moses had while he was before the Lord, and and 40 is significant in Scripture as you're going to see in a few minutes, but let's look at what God says. Then the Lord said to Moses, that right there is a miracle if you ask me, that we have a reminder that God speaks to people, that God wants to have a personal encounter with you. I mean, just change the words a bit and say, then the Lord spoke to and fill in your name. You need to hear from God as much as Moses needed to hear from God. You need to know that God is your God and God is personal as much as anybody on planet earth needs to know that. You don't need any walls of separation, whether it's religion, stained glass, ritual, or anything else. You need a God encounter in your life just as much as anybody else. Then the Lord spoke to Moses these words. For according to the tenor of these words, I have made a covenant with you. God said, I made an agreement with you. The new covenant is a covenant sealed in the blood of Jesus Christ. He said, I have made a covenant with you and with Israel so that he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. Now, as we said, 40 is significant in Scripture. It is a reminder that it rained 40 days and 40 nights there in those early chapters of the book of Genesis where Noah was simply a man trying to follow God. And it was a number of testing. Forty in Scripture is always a number that will bring you back to this idea of testing. We see Moses was in the wilderness 40 years. We see how he was, he was separated from, from his people and he was in isolation and it was there that he had the most miraculous God encounter he would have at that burning bush. But it was after 40 years God brought him through that. We know that Goliath came out up against the armies of Israel. Remember little David and Goliath? It was 40 days that Goliath came out and he challenged Israel to send out a man to do battle with him. And he was a giant and no one wanted to go out and face a giant like that. You may remember some of my stories about Billy that lived down the street. He was a giant. I don't know what happened in eighth grade. He was shaving. And Billy had this, this somehow, he could take everybody on the, on the block, and one day I challenged him and thought I could take him, and, and I cried like a little girl when he had me on the ground. He was a giant. Well, you can imagine little David, he comes up and he sees this giant named Goliath, and he's taunting the armies of Israel for 40 days. It was a test. Finally, David hears it, and he said, who is this Philistine that challenges the armies of the Most High God? The God who delivered me from the mouth of the lion and the paw of the bear will surely be no match for the God of Israel. It's a test. Jonah was in the belly of the whale, and and you remember when he came out of that whale, he went through Nineveh and he gave a message. His message was pretty simple. In 40 days, God is going to wipe out Nineveh. Not very compassionate, but challenging. He said, God is going to do something here unless you repent. And it was 40 days and they repented. And then Jesus was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by the enemy in Matthew chapter 4. And it was there that he quoted back scripture, and there he resisted the temptations, and it was there that he left us an example that we too can follow in his steps. Well, the scripture goes on to say that Moses in the wilderness neither ate bread nor drank water, and he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments, Now it was so when Moses came down from Mount Sinai and the two tablets of testimony were in Moses' hands when he came down from the mountain that Moses did not know that the skin, the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. And so when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses behold the skin of his face shone, they were afraid to come near to him. There was something different. He had had a God encounter and it, it made them step back. And Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them, and afterwards all the children of Israel came near, and gave them, he gave them the commandments, and all the Lord had spoken to him on Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. Now the scripture here leaves us a bit in the dark of why he did that, but we're going to open that up a little bit later in the book of Corinthians. But it goes on to say, but whenever the Lord... Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak to him, he would take the veil off until he came out and he would speak to the children of Israel whatever the Lord had commanded. And whenever the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, the skin of Mesa shone, then Moses would put the veil on his face again until he went in to speak to them. What an unusual story. We're gonna dig down and unpack that in a minute. But I love this scripture, I mean this quote from Norman Grubb. He said this, Nothing is easier than to remain on the natural level and never conceive of bringing spiritual forces to bear on a situation. Can I challenge you right now? Whatever it is you're facing right now in your life, would you just, in your mind, say, this is a spiritual issue, not a physical issue. This is spiritual, not natural. This needs divine intervention. This is something. You say, well, it's small, and I think I can handle it. The problem is we try to handle too many small things in our life. Everything needs to go before God. By prayer and supplication, let your quest be made known unto God, that the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Let me talk to you about 40 days into the very heart of God. And the first thing I want you to see is the power of fasting. Now, we're not a a culture that fasts on a regular basis unless we're trying to get in to some new clothes. But fasting is a part of what the Bible says can really bring some great value to our life. One of the benefits is victory over sin. If you have a particular sin in your life that seems to be reoccurring and you keep, keep trying to be, get victory on it, and you're always challenged by it, can I suggest you fast? Because here's what's happened in fasting. When you fast and you you feel those hunger pains, it's a reminder to you of why you're fasting and points you to the dependency on God. And what you want to do is you want to begin to, to increase, and this is a second benefit, your spiritual awareness. You want to live more as a creature of God than a creature of this earth. You want to enjoy what God has given you. You want to enjoy the life. And and I always say we need to be supernaturally natural. You want to follow God, but you don't want to be weird. You don't want to be so out there that nobody can relate to you. At the same time, you don't want to be so out there uh, in, in terms of what the world is doing that no one understands or ever has a God encounter with you. There is this wonderful balance of how God puts us together. Also, in fasting, we replenish mental and emotional strength in our life many times in scripture what you find is that someone is is going through some difficult time like elisha and what does he do he fasts and when he fasts he begins to have he realized some things in his life and what he needs and so mental and emotionally sometimes come back into focus and then this one also defeat demonic spirits in Matthew chapter 17, the disciples were frustrated because a boy was brought to them that was demon-possessed and they, didn't, they couldn't do anything about it. And look, what, look what the, how, the, how the entire dialogue begins to ensue here in, in Matthew 17. Why could we not cast it out? They couldn't understand it. They were walking and living in this power of God. And so Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, so the first thing he says, he frames this framework of, it's a faith thing, for assuredly I say unto you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. Okay, so faith is this foundational piece, but now notice what else he says. However, this kind, speaking of that demonic spirit, does not go out except by prayer, and notice what he adds, and fasting. Fasting was somehow tied to this whole experience. And maybe he was saying to his disciples, I've been fasting. You want to know the key to my power? In part, it's faith, in part, it's prayer, in part, it's fasting. Maybe he was saying, you've been praying, but you haven't been fasting. Maybe he was saying, you've been living out this life, but you haven't been living sacrificially in this life. And that's always tied back to Scripture. Also, fasting releases the power of the Holy Spirit of God. In Matthew chapter four, we talked about the temptation. It says that Jesus was led out into the uh, by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had tasted, when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, afterwards he was hungry. Well, that's an understatement, isn't it? I go forty minutes and I'm hungry, and he's going forty days. He's hungry. Of course he was. And when he fasted forty days and forty nights, it says he was hungry. And the tempter came to him. Did you notice that? Satan comes to you at your weakest moment. Not your strongest moment. Not when you've got your hands around all that's going on and you feel good about it. No, he knows exactly where you're weak and here he is hungry and he says unto him, hey, you know what? Really, if you're the son of God, why don't you command these stones to become bread? Why don't you use your power for your own benefit? Why don't you get the glory? Why don't you satisfy this urging and this desire you have with your own power? Jesus, of course, quoted back Deuteronomy 8. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I want you to see something of the power of his presence also. There in verses 29 and 30, it talks about he was. Uh, it was so that when Moses came down to the mountain with the two tablets that were in his hand, that he did not know that his skin of his face shone while he talked with them. So his face is somehow lit up. I think we can just understand there was something undeniable. He was Moses. He was recognizable, but somehow there was an awareness that they had of him. There was something that about the way he looked that made them believe that he had been with God and so when Aaron and all the children came and behold the skin of Moses they were afraid of him now it does leave us with a mystery until we go to second corinthians chapter 3 this is the the follow up passage to that story and it says here now the lord is the spirit where the spirit of the lord is there is liberty but we all with an unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord of being transformed from the same image of glory to glory, just as a spirit of the Lord. The backstory on that passage, if you'll read the context, it talks about Moses would put a veil over his face because the glory was fading. He didn't want them to see the fading glory. He got very human with that veil. Instead of having another God encounter, what he did was he said, let me just hide what's really going in my life. Have you ever done that? You ever been around somebody that really loved Jesus and they were talking to you and, and you wanted to love Jesus too in that moment. You didn't want to love him the day before. You just want to love him in that moment because they were loving Jesus. And so you try to say all the right things, do all the right things, act all the right way. But deep down, you know, there's something missing inside of you. Can I just say that a God encounter is instantaneous? You don't have to go away for 40 days. You don't have to somehow sacrifice and do something odd to find God. It's simply saying, God, I feel a void right now in my heart of your presence. May your presence come right now. God, will you speak to me? Will you powerfully work through me right now? And and know that the Spirit of God is what brings us from one degree of glory to another. That's what the Scripture says. You see, His presence changes our countenance. When you've been with God, you know it and other people know it. I often give this blessing at the end of our service. It's found in Numbers chapter 6 and verse 24. And it goes like this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. When God's face is seen in your life, his countenance comes upon you. His life comes upon you. His presence comes upon you. Also, His presence brings humility. I can't even begin to tell you how humbled I am by seeing what I've seen over the last year. Just that, that one-year anniversary dinner and seeing your hearts, and someone said, what was the favorite part of the entire night for you? And I said, I think seeing people so excited about church, so excited about what God was doing, Catching the vision and knowing that it wasn't about one man or one big organization, it was just about us. And we were excited about what God was doing. We get a little insight in Deuteronomy 8 as to why God led them through the wilderness and I think why God leads us through the wilderness. Look what it says in Deuteronomy 8. You shall remember that the whole way the Lord God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you. God does that, you know. God humbles us. God brings us down a path and tests you. It says, testing you to know what is in your heart. See, God wants us to not only know what's in our heart, he wants to see revealed in our life what's in our heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. You know, sometimes when you don't understand God, you want to just say, well, heck with God or if God's not going to come through, what kind of God is he? I don't think God cares. I don't think God is worried. He says, no, I I take you down this path because I want to see what's in your heart. And I want to see, I really want you to see too. Will you keep my commandments when things don't go well? Or are you only going to be a fair weather kind of a Christian? Are you going to love me through the difficulties? Because if you'll love me through the difficulties, you can't believe what I'm going to do when I bring the victories. He said, and look what he did. And he said, and I and, and I let you hunger. Do you know sometimes God lets you get hungry? Oh, I don't just mean physically. I mean, God lets you get go through some tough things. He says, I let you get hungry. And then I fed you with manna. I fed you with the stuff you didn't expect. I gave you what you needed, not what you wanted. And that's a principle of scripture. God is always going to do that if you allow him. He said, nor did your fathers know that he might know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes out of the mouth of the Lord. Ultimately, that's what we need to know, isn't it? That that's how we live. That's why we live. His presence also brings boldness. You know, one thing I've I've kind of been prone to say through this process is my job and our job is to trust God. It's his job to come through. If he doesn't come through, that's his problem, not mine. And I've gotten pretty bold with God. I just draw a circle around buildings and say, God, this has got to be it. And, and if you've got another plan, you show me. But I'm going to keep praying until something else happens. And we drew a circle around an area that included Mervyn's, that included, actually included the post office where we are now. And we just said, God, we're just going to call this our territory. And you prayed and you, and you walked and you anointed doors and you did all kinds of goofy and crazy stuff with me. And by the hand of God, God gave us a building. And I want to just show you, if you weren't at the, the banquet, you can see this. But this is a, uh, really the Vision 2.0 picture. This is the, uh, the ele- uh, elevation drawing, colored drawing of our building. And I love what Bob has done, what Robert has done in designing this and taking and centralizing that cross and changing out all that tile and putting stack stone on there. And, and, I, and those palm trees, aren't those cool? Aren't those cool? Aren't those cool? I mean, seriously, you could be living like in Detroit or someplace. I'm just saying, you know, it's, it's like palm trees. I know you've gotten used to them because you live here so long. You know, just be careful. God will move you to someplace like Antarctica or something, and you'll go, I really remember, I should have been thankful about palm trees right now. But you know, that was a big and a bold thing and, and I, you know, we didn't know that how it was gonna happen and yet I remember those, those weeks and those uh, during the month of December, we just said, hey, this is what we need and we still are, you know, the timetable is, is not up to us. Uh, ben, who's overseeing our project, says once we get in there, we can have the entire thing done in 60 days. Now, that's a miracle, amen? The problem is, We're working with the federal government who doesn't work as quick as us. So when we know exact timelines, we're going to tell you, but we're going to be in there. If you want to write it down, I'll tell you when we're going to be in there. We're going to be in there when we're in there. Fair enough? And when we're in there, you'll go, hey, you were right. We're in here. All right. Um, Let me give you this quote. I thought it was really good. He says, if you live cautiously, your friends will call you wise. You just won't move many mountains. I don't know about you, but one of the things we want to do is move some mountains. I want us to always be, every year, super risky. And at the end of this, uh, uh, of this sermon, at the, after we close out the last song, I'm going to show you um, this next step. And we showed it to you. We introduced it to you at the, uh, at, the, at the dinner, but we're going to reintroduce it to you. And I'm going to talk about some bold things that we need to do. Third is the power of your testimony. Do you know nothing is more powerful than when you look somebody in the eye and you say, Jesus saved me, Jesus changed my life. Even when they challenge you and say, well, you're not perfect, and you can say, I'm not perfect, but God loves me, God changed my life. There's nothing more powerful than that. That's more powerful than almost anything you can do on earth, and Scripture reaffirms that. Look at what it says in Revelation chapter 12, verses 10 and 11. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven. Now salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ have come. Do you remember the prayer, the Lord's prayer, thy kingdom come? Revelation 12 is saying this day has finally happened. This day is now in its fullness. We pray for the kingdom of God to come. We pray for the kingdom of God to interfere with our world. We pray that we'll see his power, his miracle, his signs, his wonders, all that God wants to do. We pray for that every day. We love to see the kingdom of God come and push out the darkness out of our families, out of our conflicts, out of everything we do. We love that, but we know as long as we live in this world, there's going to be a tension between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. But what it says in Revelation, Revelation, no, the kingdom has now come, and look what it says, and the accuser of our brethren, that's Satan, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, amen, by the word of their testimony. Look at that. Your testimony is right there next door to the blood of the Lamb, and they did not love their lives even unto death. They said, you know what's most important is Jesus. You know what gives me power? Jesus. You know what I'm responsible to do is tell people about Jesus. It's Jesus from the beginning, Jesus in the middle, and Jesus at the end. Let his name be on your lips wherever you go. Speak the name of Jesus. Let me tell you how to give a powerful testimony for God. Number one, proclaim the power of salvation in Jesus. Tell people what God has done. Well I'm not perfect. Well of course you're not. We know that. You know it's always funny when someone says uh, well you know I'm not perfect. Oh really? I'm so shocked. All these years I've known you've never seen anything less than perfection and now you have to remind me I'm not perfect. We know. We just don't know how imperfect you really are. That's what we don't know. I'd rather hear that story. Well, you know, I'm not perfect. Let me tell you how imperfect I really am. Now we get down to really where where we live, don't we? Well, we proclaim a powerful testimony of the salvation we have in Jesus Christ. Just tell people, God saved me, and here's how it worked. Practice doing it in 30 seconds. Nobody wants to hear two weeks of how you got saved. No one wants to, is gonna hang around that long. I mean, practice on an elevator. I got on an elevator the other day. I was doing some commercials for the fish, and I got on an elevator a guy there, and it's just him and me. And we had four, three fours to go, and I looked over him. I said, How you doing? He goes, Pretty good. And I said, Hey, let me tell you about Jesus. I got him trapped. Where is he going? <laughs> Even if he pushes the button, it's going to take a minute. I can get the if I can get this thing out and, on a on a ride elevator ride in two floors. I think I'm doing pretty good. And I so I start to tell him about. It. I said, well, you know, I don't I don't know if you know this, but I was in college, and and while I was in college, I started reading the Bible, and I thought if the Bible's true, I'm in trouble because i had done everything it said not to do. And you know, and I didn't even know how to pray. Nobody showed me how to pray. I got on my knees. I said, Jesus, I just want you to forgive me and come into my life. And he did, and he saved me. And uh, and and my life is I'm not perfect, you know, uh, but just want to throw that in there. I'm not perfect, you know, but but you know, God really saved me. And he goes, "That was a miracle." And then he goes, "I mean, I you did it so fast. I can't even believe it." And he goes, and he goes, "I'm a pastor." <laughs> so he didn't convert that day, but I have good reason to believe the seed was sown. Give a powerful testimony, practice it on people, practice it on your friends, and and just say, hey, this is my quick story. I don't need a a five-minute story to do it. Also, don't be intimidated by the enemy. The enemy wants to intimidate you. What if they ask me something? I don't know. Then here's what you tell them. I don't know. What if they show me hard things in the Bible? Say, yeah, that's a hard thing. It's what I do. I mean, I have people all the time, they think I know the answer to everything in that Bible, and then when I go, hey, that's a good question, they look at me like, really? I go, yeah, no, it's a really good question. When you get the answer, call me up, because I don't know all the answers, and nobody has all the answers. I mean, I could guess, I can kind of navigate and tie some scriptures in there, but just tell people you don't know, don't be intimidated by the enemy, because the enemy will come and go, you don't know the answer to that. Shut up. And what you do is you believe that lie, and then you can't sow the seed. You see, you not you don't have to be responsible to bring them through the whole journey. If you're there when it happens, that's great. But throw a little seed out there, a little water, a little fertilizer, get things going, stir it up a little bit. See what God can do. You don't know. You know. Sometimes they'll they'll they'll. Uh, encounter four or five other believers on the journey and it'll be someone else who'll be there when they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. But your job is just to throw some seed out, see what do- happens, let God give the increase as God gives the increase. Also, remember this, the blood of Christ is powerful. The blood of Christ is so powerful. It's about what cleansed you from your sin. Do you realize that every, I just think about this for a minute. Let's talk to men for a minute. All right, men, Think about every wrong, evil, and lustful thought you've ever had in a lifetime. I know we don't have that much time. <laughs> but think about it. Do you realize, like that, the blood of Christ cleanses you from all that? He doesn't hold it over you, He doesn't bring it back to your memory. You can bring it back, but He's not going to bring it up. Do you realize that's how powerful the blood of Christ is? It cleanses you from all sin. Do you realize how powerful it is when you don't feel guilt? It's a release, isn't it? It's a release because you're living as the Holy Spirit of God intends you to live. And then look at this. Love God more than anything else in this world. You see, if you love God more than you love your family, you will love your family like God wants you to love your family. (laughs) If you love your family more than you love God, you put your family first and God will never be a part of your family. You have first and foremost responsibility to love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. That's what scripture says. To love your neighbor as yourself. You have to start by loving God. And when you love God with all your heart and you act like it, everything else is gonna fall into place. I wanna challenge you with that. Love God bear a strong testimony remember the power of the blood of christ and don't be intimidated by the enemy when he comes up against you and he will he will but that's okay you're an overcomer in jesus christ hey let's stand together and pray father as we pray we are reminded god of your presence here your power the way that you work in all of our lives and God, even as we, we sing this, uh, this final song today, we pray that our hearts can be stirred afresh by your Spirit. We pray, God, that we can listen to what you say and know that this journey into God can be instantaneous. God, and sometimes we need a fast, and sometimes we need to pray, and sometimes we need to, to meditate on your Word. But God, in all things, it is you. It is you that we long for, that we hope for, that we dream for. And so we ask your presence to be powerfully now, God, in our hearts. And as we think about our future, as we draw those big circles around the big obstacles of life, God, bring everything back into focus, we pray. We love you, Lord Jesus. We give you praise and glory in your name. Amen.